As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You want to know about Rich? I'll tell you about Rich. This is what Rich sent me. I woke up to this one, I don't know what the hell he's doing up at one in the morning in Texas, but he sent this to me. This is mine. I own this man, and I'm never gonna let him go. You're gonna make me cry. I don't wanna make you cry. I wanna make you happy. Will you marry me? Oh my God. I'd get down on one knee, but I'd never get back up again. He's my security, he's my protector, he's my prince charming, he's my provider, and he's my best friend. Elise is 20 and goes to college in Oklahoma. What I love about Elise is Elise is so much like her father. She's just smart, quick-witted. Elise is fabulous. You know the best part about our sense of humor is that we are hard of hearing, so we mishear things a lot. We went on a date recently to the same restaurant where we had had a lunch meeting the day before where we'd all ordered salads. And so that on our date, the woman who had waited on us came by and she was like, oh, what, no salads tonight? And Rich was like, he got that like, you know, that radio dog where it's like. And then she walked away and I looked at him and I said, what did you think she said? And he goes, I thought she said, what, no Cialis tonight? I laughed for an hour at dinner. His job was very dangerous, and I lived with him when all of that was going on. I mean, I, when we started dating, he was a SWAT officer. He'd go on call-outs, and I'd be like, I'd sit at home for hours. Is he alive? Is he dead? D is someone going to take him to a hospital? I mean, I was scared for the doorbell to ring. So I understand and appreciate what the wives of our first responders go through, and I appreciate what the wives of our military personnel go through. And you know what? Um, he's taught me all of that. 
he had to retire and now he teaches. Uh, he works for a company called Safari Land and he teaches explosives, breaches. All we need is each other. You know, we've got our fur kids and we're really happy. We, I mean, I'm happy. He might as well just live with it. Gather round, gather round, gather round, clowns. Not you, Rich. <laughs> Not you, Rich. You're a pirate. <laughs> we're we're going to get them all. <laughs> give, give it to me. We're going to get to that here in just a second. Michael Moulton, M2 The Rock, coming to you live from Dallas, Texas. D-Town, baby. And as they say in the loose stare, or in prison, they say the 214. I've been there many times. Right. That's what they... That's, I was dropping off, though. That's what's your deal. It's 214. <laughs> Where are you from? I'm from the 214. 214. So, Dallas, Texas. Uh, welcome, everyone. I'm letting everybody get ramped up here. Get this shared out. Share this out right now. It's time to hit the share button. Get this out there. Hit the hearts. Hit the likes. I need everyone right now to hashtag rich, R-I-C-H, hashtag <laughs> rich. So uh, before we get into our special guest today, special friend, um, Rich Emberlin, uh, man, we got a great show. This show is brought to you by Healing Springs Ranch. Healing Springs Ranch is one hour north of Dallas-Fort Worth. It's a residential treatment center, luxury. Oh, man, it's nice. Wow. It is nice, and I know everybody up there at Healing Springs Ranch right now is watching, so um, I will be there tomorrow. I, I go there all day on Thursdays, oh, wow. and I perform group. I do group there, and um, uh, one hour before lunch, we do lunch together, and then I do one, a one-hour group after lunch, uh, share my experience, strength, and hope, and we talk about situations, and we just chop it up, and, and just not literally chop it up. That's old drug talk, but we, <laughs> we chop it Step up. Step on I, it. That's right. We just <laughs> uh, So we just talk back and forth. And, and have a good time and and what's so neat about it is that they actually help me yeah so sure. um so this show what is this show all about if you're joining us for the very first time if you're if you're a fan of rich uh watching this jumping on like where, what's rich doing now uh let me tell you what we talk about in this show we started this show out uh in 2017 where we talk about drug addiction we talk about alcoholism but what's really made it diverse is we talk about hurts habits and hang-ups and we've come to the conclusion, I have come to the conclusion that drugs and alcohol are not my problem. My problem is filling that void inside of me with visible things that make my life unmanageable. Right. And I'm very insane, Rich. And unfortunately, <laughs> what? I'm a slow learner. <laughs> you know, 27 mug shots. And I'm, and I'm so glad that you weren't one of the guys that arrested me. So I, I missed you. Maybe, we can check the record. Maybe <laughs> I was. Maybe, maybe you were. So, um, no, I remember you, actually. <laughs> <laughs> this show is also brought to you by DFW uh, Coin and Jewelry. DFW Coin and Jewelry, Kristen Oyster. So all this stuff that you see on me. DFW Coin and Jewelry does so many good things for the recovery community and just stays behind the scenes. And Kristen Oyster, we appreciate everything that you do uh, for this show. And also, oh, you know this guy, Danny Campbell. Absolutely. Danny Campbell, the official paparazzo. <laughs> Great guy. Yeah, the official paparazzo of M2 The Rock. Yeah, he's the, he's the world-famous Dallas photographer and, and photos all of us, yeah. taking pictures of a lot of us. And then we can't go without saying uh, Gangway Advertising. Sure. Thank you for everything that they do. Special shout-out. We appreciate Cynthia Smoot so much. 
Who's that bearded guy that's always hanging out with her? I don't know, but he's in my he's in my way. She's my side girlfriend. She's yes, <laughs> yes, uh, Randy, and, she is, and she's actually that, that would you, that would make you my side stepdad. <laughs> exactly, because Sm- Smoot Dog hashtag Smoot Dog <laughs> is um is actually uh just been so great for the show. And Randy Smoot, thank you so much for everything that y'all do. We love y'all so much and putting all this together. So. Without further ado, uh, Rich Emberman is a 30-year law. 30-year? Yeah, I know. Is that real? It's actually 32 now because I'm a reserve. It just feels like I just started. Rich Ember is a 30-year law enforcement veteran who served mostly, most notably with the Dallas Police Department's elite units, including Dallas SWAT, which stands for, a lot of people don't know this, but it stands for Special Weapons and Tactics. Or Sit, Wait, and Talk. Because <laughs> we talked to him a long time. Yes, and, and the Criminal Intelligence Unit Dignitary Protection Squad. He's also assigned to the uh, Office of the Chief of Police as a liaison to the Department of Defense. Man, this is awesome. This resume is incredible. I love this part down here. Subject matter expertise. Okay, we ready? <laughs> you are an active shooter. So am I. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm, I, I try to prevent it. Okay, all right. <laughs> and then barricaded subject resolution. Yes. Okay. Uh, let me jump right. Oh, I, oh, this is me. I'm a chemical agent. <laughs> Will yeah. we fire these chemical oh, agents? Oh, okay. All right, all right. <laughs> uh, b- policing uh, issues. What's that? Um, I go out and give talks to the community, you know. Even the folks that don't like us very much, which are the first people that call us, and just try to, you know, build up communicate community relationships right. and stuff like that. So some good stuff cool. here. We're going to put your website on here, uh, richemberlin.com. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank, Thank you for having me. I'm so glad that you're here. We've been crossing paths for for a while. Forever. with um, I can't believe we haven't run into each other. Yeah, earlier. we just we hang out in the same circles, and it's, it's just so good to have you on here. And, and we talked earlier on the phone today about, I appreciate you coming on and supporting um, our community, sure. our recovery community, and we support the first responders so much. Absolutely. So r- real quick, I mean, who is, and by the way, tomorrow is Halloween, okay? So Rich is not sporting his Halloween costume <laughs> no. uh, immediately. But, uh, you know, it's Rich. It's not an accessory. You know, and, and two, I was looking at pictures of uh, of you and Leanne, and, and, you know, in 2015, 2016, you didn't have, have an eye patch. Well, I got hurt in a training accident. Okay. And I just got misdiagnosed by a doctor in Virginia Beach, and uh, I had a torn retina that he didn't catch and let me get on a plane, and uh, retina was off for, I mean, they have to be, when they're torn, they have to be repaired immediately, and it was off for six days, and I have an eye under there, and it looks fine. Yeah, you, you showed, showed it to me. Yeah, it, looks, it, I mean, it, it actually looks perfectly normal. It just, it, I had a thing called a macular puck pucker which distorts my vision terribly and my vision's 2400 and if i don't wear my patch i'll walk around like i'm drunk all the time and run into things anyway so yeah some of the stuff you're most well known for um you're very close friends uh i i still i'm i'm all about everybody's still alive you know you're very close friends with the world famous chris kyle yes and um let's touch on that just real Dear quick friend, before we yeah. get in. Tell, sure. tell us about that relationship because that intrigues me you know i didn't know a single person in the Navy. I'm an Air Force brat, and I was at our range one day teaching a patrol rifle class. Um, And I put the students on break for lunch, and I was just sitting under the the shed there, and this guy with a beard came down, and he was with our friend David Faraday. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, and a British SAS guy, 
And I'm like, okay, we're, they can wear beards now, but we didn't have people wearing beards. And they go, are you rich? Uh-huh. And I go, well, I have some money, but it's none of your business. And he's a big hulking guy. He's like, what? The other two guys laughed. Chris, Faraday got it. Yeah, Faraday got Faraday it. Faraday probably says, is that all you got? Probably, yeah. <laughs> uh, so he starts talking in this West Texas accent. And he goes, Lieutenant says, uh, I can teach a sniping class if uh, – if you if you'll be our range safety officer and that's just watch over the make sure it's all safe and I go when is it and he goes next week I just started a new company called Craft he said and I said oh okay but I didn't know he was the world's most deadliest sniper because he's a humble good dude and then Faraday started talking with a Irish accent right. and then this I'm like what are these guys doing on my range but right. we had a great time the next week David came out he's he's he loves to shoot the British guy was a guy named Mark Spicer his partner in the business and. Uh, we became friends way back when and stayed friends until the day he was murdered. Wow. And where were you on that day when that happened? You know, I was actually supposed to be with him wow. because one of his assistant teachers at his school, his son's school, said, hey, my son's a troubled Marine. Would you please talk to him? And he said, sure. Put his number in my kid's book bag. And he called me and he said, hey, and what we do, it sounds crazy, but it's not. We'll take people from Walter Reed six at a time. We take them to a range. We have six instructors, one-on-one. And these guys are guys that have been, they've lost their legs. They've lost arms. They've lost some of their vision, maybe. And we let them shoot machine guns, pistols, and kind of, you know, make them feel like they used to feel. Right. You know, and then we sit down and have dinner and... Like I said, it's a one-to-one student ratio, and this guy was a former Marine who he claimed to have PTSD. I think he just had—actually, I think he—I know he did. He came out at the trial. He had a real bad dope problem. Mm. and um, That's the first I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah. He had a bad dope problem, and his parents basically said, join the Marines, get out of the house. And yeah. I think he was squared away for a little while, but then he got out, got back on dope, and they took him to a range. Well, Chris called me earlier that week. He said, hey— I'm taking this guy to the range, and you're going with me. And I said, and I went with him everywhere. And he's, I said, I've got my daughter's last daddy-daughter dance that Aww. she's eligible for. And I, I said, take Chad Littlefield. And he took Chad, and Chad got murdered as well. So wow, he called me. Wow, I did me. not know that, His Rich. wife called me that day. I was at the hotel up in Louisville where my daughter was going to high school. And um, she was, well, she wasn't even in high school. She was 14. And... Um, I was putting on my tuxedo, and I, I had a little suite because uh, she had a little girlfriend that didn't have a dad, so I was going to be a double dad. Cool. And uh, Taya, his wife called me and said, are you with Chris? Because he's not answering the phone. And I said, no, he's with Chad. And she said, oh, okay. And then a ranger called me, and I just I didn't know the number. And I said, hello. And he goes, I don't have time to console you. Chris Kyle's dead, and we need the license plate from his truck. We're going through his phone, and it looks like you guys talk all the time. Do you know the license plate? And I said, yeah. I go, he's dead? And he goes, yeah, the guy stole his truck. And uh, I had to call my daughter and tell him Mr. Kyle was dead. Wow. Wow. She loved him. Yeah. Wow, he was Sad close deal. to you. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And so, wow. It was, it, you know, Chris Kyle, a true American hero. Everybody right now, hashtag He'd be Chris, the last. Hashtag Chris Kyle. Yeah. 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 So, Chris Kyle for so, our foundation. Uh, he, he, um, I did not realize that. And, um, and so, how, um, how accurate was that movie that they did with Brad- Bradley Cooper? Was that pretty you accurate? Know, I, it, I've heard it was, some, some stuff. Bradley put on 44 pounds to be the same size. Yes, okay. And uh, the lady that played Taya, uh, Sienna Miller, is British, actually. Okay. And there was a deal where me and Chris went to meet this this uh, 
a director, movie writer, director, producer named Terrence Malick did mm-hmm. uh, The Thin Red Line. Mm-hmm. And he uh, he wanted to meet Chris, and he invited us down to UT and sent a car for us. We went down to this football suite. We think we're meeting Terrence Malick. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, while he was meeting with Terrence, this girl came in, uh, came up to me, and she goes, are you rich? And I said, yeah, I didn't do the joke on her. <laughs> but um, she goes, is Chris Kyle here? And I said, sure is. I said, can I get you a drink here? And she said, no, I'm working. And we talked for another 20 minutes. I said, I'm, are you sure you don't want a drink? Right. And she goes, I'm working. And I go, okay, Natalie, what do you do? She goes, I'm an actress. And I go, what's your last name? And she said, Portman. And I went, I promised to watch Black Swan. <laughs> and on cue, Chris came over and he said, he walked up. He goes, who's this? I go, this is Natalie Portman. Oh, and he goes, my gosh. And I go, she's a Oscar-winning actress. And he goes, from what? He, he, I said, he's right. been deployed for 11 years. Right. But anyways, get back to your point. They, As a joke, they sat Sienna next to me, who is now bleach blonde and with a British accent. She kept asking me, how's Bradley doing? I go, he's doing great because he really did a good job. Yeah. And he, he goes, what do you think of the lady playing Tayer? And her name's Taya. And I'm like, she's really good. And it was her. <laughs> oh, my Taya God. Taya was playing a joke on me. Oh, she's baiting my, you. Yeah, she yeah she's baiting you. But- As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, it was very accurate from the fact that he was very humble. He didn't talk about numbers. He talked about the guys he couldn't save. And... He didn't. He he would tell you uh, Carlos Hathcock from Vietnam is the you know best sniper ever. He said he just I worked hard and I was in the right place maybe at the right time to save these Marines. You know he mm-hmm. was in the Navy, but he actually wore Marine fatigues all the time. Right. The only thing when people ask me about him, I, 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 I say his sense of humor doesn't come through in the movie. Yeah. Because Bradley talked to him one time on the phone, and then he would talk to us about him, but. He just did not know. He's like smooth as he's a little clown, you know, yeah, yeah, playing yeah. jokes on you all yeah, the time. He's the worst <laughs> yeah. or the best. Yeah. <laughs> but um, no, they never showed how funny he was. Mm-hmm. But they criticized. I saw critics say no one would ever. He made a phone call during a gunfight in this in Sodder City, I believe, right. in the movie. And somebody said he would never do that. He did do things like that. He was a cool head. <laughs> wow. So he, that, it was a great movie. And we got off in the Chris Kyle. And I got Chris. to tell Mr. Cooper, I said, you were my friend for an hour and a half, yeah. sir. You did a great job. Thank you, everyone. There's a lot of people hashtagging, hashtag Chris Kyle, American hero. Yeah, Absolutely. Great so, guy. Wow. That's what I love about this. I love hearing stories for the first time right here live on M2. And the I got Rock. to meet Clint Eastwood, too. Oh, that's Everybody's cool. Everybody's favorite cop. That's cool. You know, <laughs> I, it's funny. I, I have actually, when I was a caddy on the pro golf tour, mm-hmm. uh, 
uh, Clint Eastwood and Lanny Watkins. He's friends with a lot of them, but you know, caddying for Lanny Watkins for five years, like I did, I got to meet a lot of these great actors at the Bob Hope. Oh, I'm at, sure at the, you at did. The AT&T Pebble yeah. Beach. Well, Clint Eastwood was our partner a lot. Clint, really? It was Clint, East, Clint Eastwood, Joe Pesci, and uh, Bill Murray. That's uh, a that, crew. That was our that was our foursome, <laughs> and my God, I was exhausted after that. So, and then also we played at the Bob Hope with um, I caddy with Lanny, and we played with three presidents. Really, uh, at the time. So you talking about Secret Service? You know. I oh, to, I know. I got to see a lot of that, and you do know. So let's get into that. Let's get into what we talk about in this show a lot is is what it was like. You know what it was like, and and I really want to address something on, on how it kind of fits our theme of the show because you mm-hmm. said something today on the phone that was really strong and powerful because I want to get into how you got into SWAT, how you said, when I grow up, I want to be a police officer, but you said something when you were at a, were a kid at a very young age that a lot of people can relate to, but they don't talk about it, including me until now, right. okay, because I would mask it with drugs and alcohol, mm-hmm. anxiety, Terrible anxiety, anxiety, panic attacks, and me too. And you debilitating. Also, and you also said something that really struck home uh, on the phone today. And I left it alone on purpose to save it for this time. You and I shared this with Highland Park Middle School, and this is real stuff. You share that you were a late bloomer. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was in too. a lot of ways. I was too. So I, for me personally, I hit puberty at a very late age, and I saw guys growing up around me, and it made me feel less than. It made me feel like I didn't fit in. Mm-hmm. And I was like everybody's little puppy dog. Right. You know, I was like, oh, Michael's so cute. He's our little best friend. I said, <laughs> I don't want to be cute. I want to be cool, big, and gnarly. Right? <laughs> right on. You know, can you relate to that? Uh, I can in more of a social setting. Okay. I was never a big guy. I was I was thin as a rail. Me too, yeah. And uh, I put on 50 pounds since I joined the department. I weighed 135 pounds. Right. I lied on my ID. I'm six feet tall. I lied right. on my ID to say <gasps> I was 145 so I could be bigger. <laughs> now I weigh 185, which is what I'm supposed to weigh. But So walk us through that when you were a kid and how, and how you became uh, a I just, SWAT. I grew, I grew up. I didn't even play cops and robbers. I wanted to be a pilot. Gotcha. And I would... My brother was more one of those guys that make fun of you and me, you know. I love my brother, but he's he was the great athlete. He was jacked. Yeah. He was real social. I was real introverted. You know, I'd take a book about airplanes over anything else. And he was dating. He was he should have been my bigger brother. He was 18 months younger than me. And he'd go on dates, and he'd make fun of me for not going on dates. Right. And, Look at me now, bro. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um. I was in choir, and he was playing football, and he made fun of me for being in choir. Now, I did play baseball, but... Were you soprano I, or bass? Uh, soprano. <laughs> <laughs> Late bloomer, remember? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was up at his house one time in Des Moines. He's a cop up in Des Moines. Okay. And I sat down at the piano, and I started playing it and started singing, and he had a whole bunch of neighbors over, and all the girls started gathering around. He goes... I'm sorry I ever messed with you about that. Stuff works. When you close <laughs> your eyes. Did you start pulling a Maverick Top Gun? Uh, no, I wouldn't. Oh, okay. Too, everybody does that. <laughs> but no, I just, I struggled with anxiety. And it was in a time when people really didn't understand anxiety. Right. You know, I had things happen to me. You've heard of deja vu. Mm-hmm. The reverse of it is, I think it's called shamos vu. It's where you, you're in a room, and this has happened to me on like three separate occasions, and they're terrifying. You just all of a sudden feel like, how did, how did I get here? And yeah. you, you objectively know, I drove over here, but... It's like why? a blackout. It almost is. Uh-huh. You remember the whole day, but you're like, okay, I'm with Michael, and I know I drove here, but I feel like I just got transported here. 
Huh. And I'm outside watching. You should Google it, man. It's terrifying. I know it's terrifying. And I just, I couldn't go to school. So if my dad finally, you know, it was like tough love stuff, you know. And I tell everybody, I'd, we moved around so much. The Vietnam, Vietnam War had gone on. And I thought, my dad's going to get killed. And my mom's, you know, doesn't have any job skills. She's got three kids. And what's going to happen? And he always told me, you're the man of the house. And no man should ever say that to a nine-year-old or an eight-year-old. Right. Because I took it seriously. Yeah. And uh, I, the anxiety got so bad that I thought, I'm going to go to school. When I first started getting bussed off, um, I told you my sister went to Folsom High School. Yeah. I went to another school in Sacramento. Uh, Mitchell Junior High School, and it was the first time I'd been off base in my life. I mean, I had barbed wire around me the whole time, nice right, and safe. Right. And I was afraid I was going to come home from school one day, and my home was going to be gone, and it was going to be just, it was, the thought just couldn't get out of my head. So I'd pick up a rock from the front yard and put it in my pocket, and I had, a, I put a rock in my pocket, and that I, if I felt scared later on in the day, I'd feel that rock and go, that came from my front yard. Wow. I know my home is there. So that that was base. That was literally that made you feel. It safe. was a kid self medicating himself. Or wow, that's cool. <laughs> so that's a really good deal. I spent, you know, I couldn't get into the Air Force because I had an eye injury. This eye is taking a beating. I got shot in the eye with a BB gun as a kid. Right. And my vision was twenty thirty when it had to be twenty twenty when I got out of college. And I was selling suits at Dillard's, and Mr. Dillard walked by and asked me to be a buyer. So little known factoid, I was a I buyer for that. Dillard's okay. for a year. And I, my cousin Jim was a cop down in Houston, and I went on a ride-along with him. And when you go on ride-alongs, it's usually boring. I've we done went, 27 ride-alongs. Have you? Yes, 27 mug shots. This is my fact. <laughs> <laughs> Not like this oh, in the okay. backseat saying you're hot. <laughs> no. Um, no, I did a ride-along, and the very first call out of the hopper was an officer shot, which is very rare, even in Houston. Wow. And we pulled up, and this undercover officer was shot in the thigh. He had his gun out. He had a dead guy in front of him. And it was a kidnapping payoff. And there was another gunman loose in the area. And this lady that was, they didn't have enough money. And she was thanking this wounded officer. And I saw these brave guys get out and help him, help her. And they captured the other guy. And I had to change my underwear when I went home. I but I thought, I want to do that. Yes. Those guys are doing cool stuff. Wow. It wasn't about being a hero. It was about helping people. Right. Putting rocks in their pockets. Yeah. You know? I like that. Putting rocks in their pocket. That little rock deal, I'm not going to forget that. That was really cool. It kind of goes with the him to the rock. You yeah. Know? Yeah. to the rock. So yeah. we, we can... We can there you all, go. Let's start making some rocks and sell <laughs> okay. them. Rich is right rock. On. Michael Moulton, M2 The Rock. We got Rich Emberlin uh, here in studio. Uh, when we come back, we're going to get deeper into his story, and we're going to talk about uh, Dallas SWAT, his life at Dallas SWAT. Sure. Uh, so let's hear some more stories and some good stories there. We're going to talk about the book, the book that's sure. in the making with a well-known uh, friend of all of ours, hey, the great Kim Harmon Gatlin. We're going to talk Esquire. about Esquire. That's right. Let's put her on blast. <laughs> and then we're going to talk about we we can't go without your marriage. Uh, if you get married next week again, don't you, on Real Housewives oh, of really? Dallas? I've already got married, but Well, yes. you're already married, yeah, but it's going to be aired. <laughs> I get married every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> every once in a while. So when yeah. we come back, more with Rich on My Michael Moulton, M2 The Rock. We'll be right back. Get ready, Texas. The 2019 Music for the Mind Festival is almost here. MC'd by Michael Moulton from M2 The Rock. Gather round, clowns. Performances by Maylee Thomas Band. Special edition. And Rachel Stacy. 
This is a free event for all ages and will be held at the Herd Museum in McKinney, Texas on Saturday, November 2nd from 4 p.m. to 9 p.m. Don't forget to stop by our sponsor food trucks to refuel. For more information, go to engagecarlin.com where we focus on mental health. Welcome back. Welcome back. Michael Moulton, M2 The Rock, coming to you live from Dallas, Texas, in studio, my man, Rich Emberlin. <laughs> Dallas, is it retired Dallas SWAT? Um, what, what, retired what, police what's your, officer. What's your title? I mean, like, you're sitting at a bar, you go, hey, this is my title. What, this is what I do. If I'm doing something bad and don't want to get in trouble, I say, I'm Michael Moulton. Have you <laughs> met you go, Let me <laughs> No, I'm just retired police officer. That's I'm awesome. a reservist now, so that's I, awesome. I can go do fun stuff if I want to, but... We just saw a commercial right there. Check this out, Rich. And I would love for you, if you, if you can make it, this is unbelievable. This Saturday, this Saturday, it's here. It's finally here. It's Music for the Mind Festival. It's right the Music on. for the Mind Festival. It's brought to you by Engage Collin County. It's this Saturday, November 2nd, from 4 o'clock. Uh, uh, no entry. I guarantee you there's an end time. From 4 o'clock to 9 <laughs> o'clock. Uh, 4 o'clock to 9 o'clock. Food trucks. Free food. Get out. Yeah, free food. I'm going. Free food. And uh, check out these bands. we got the Maylee Thomas Band right. uh, will be there. Uh, the Special Edition Band uh, will be there. And yours truly, Rachel Stacy. Oh, now uh, I'm really going. Now we're really going. <laughs> Rachel Stacy. Now, she just got back. She was in rehearsal all day today. Let me tell you something I'm really excited about. Rachel Stacy's not only going to be there, but she's bringing the Randy Brown show with her. Oh, wow. So Randy Brown and Rachel Stacy. if you've never seen these two on stage perform... He gets down, she plays the fiddle, and they she just absolutely hashtag shred. She shreds <laughs> this fiddle in two, and it's gonna be a great event. Uh it's it's um I keep forgetting. I, I just now remember now because I read the bottom of it. I'm the MC. So they keep <laughs> yeah, telling me. Important. Rem- yeah, remember you're there the you MC. <laughs> so we're I'm, I'm the MC of the event. So y'all make sure y'all check this out uh this Saturday. Super excited about that. Uh, speaking of Rachel Stacy, we'll be at the Four Seasons Resort tomorrow night at Outlaws Tap Room, Rachel Stacy. Uh, Steve Auburn uh, from Cowboys Red River are going to be um, uh, performing a duo tomorrow night at the Outlaws Tap Room wow. That's for, for Halloween. And um, Rachel Stacy will be dressed up as Harley Quinn. Harley meow. Quinn. <laughs> meow. I have got this thing for Harley Quinn that just makes my hair itch. And so I got a text message from her today saying, I got green hair paint and you're going as the Joker. So I guess I'm going to go as the Joker. So. I told Leanna I just want to, she wanted to dress me up as something bizarre. I said, just give me a puffy shirt. I got a pirate <laughs> patch. I'll just be a pirate. Anything else is going to be ridiculous. Rich, welcome back. And uh, Rich Emberman, um, uh, the husband from Leanne Locken, Real Housewives of Dallas. Where's she at tonight? She is home getting ready to watch her show. Okay. And tweet and Instagram and Insta story and all that stuff. Is that what they do during the show? Oh my gosh. Yeah, they it's do a it. madhouse. <laughs> so you're I'm so happy to be here. I know. I, I, I don't know why you handed me a check when you walked in. You don't have to pay to be on the show. Yes, I, I don't mind at all. It's worth the money. <laughs> and you keep saying, are you sure this is not a three hour show? <laughs> I'm going to tell her it is when That's I go so home funny. at 11 tonight. <laughs> you know, when I was a kid, Rich, I'll never forget the feeling when I used to play hide go seek with the friends out in the, in the, in the, in the the neighborhood mm-hmm. there was the bullies and stuff like that but i'll never forget we always had this one light pole that was base and when i would run and run and run i was always real fast and once i got to base i never forget that feeling of how safe i felt 
because everybody understood you just couldn't tag me because right. I'm on base. Right. It's a rule that just can't be broken. So you just feel safe. Your rock story reminded me of that feeling. I had to Having, carry my base with me because you, we move so much. Yes. <laughs> and so, and what we talk about on this show, you know, is uh, a spiritual connection and, and, and God and having a relationship with God. And I'm not talking about the church God, you know, and I say this a lot on this show. When it comes to religion, I'm a full-blown atheist. Right but on. when it comes to the word of God and the big time God, I'm all in. Right. I am all in because yeah. I got to have him. Yes. I got to have him today. And I had that awakening in the West Tower at Lou Starrett Justice Center really? in the psych ward. And um, because I, you know, I was I was always suicidal. They had me mm-hmm. tagged as suicidal. So they sent me straight to the West Tower every time right. they brought me in. Uh, so but speaking of that, so you you're a former Dallas police officer, mm-hmm. uh, SWAT. Tell us about your career in that and and. And how you saw people like me come in and out and, and how, you know, how Dallas Police Department is there to help, serve and protect. And they're really good people because my experience with you guys has been outstanding. Right. They were so good to me. Well, I'm, glad, glad, I mean, there, there are bad police officers out there, but I'm glad you ran into the good they ones. They literally witnessed and helped me driving to jail every time. And, and they got to know my name. And they're just like going, you know, listen, you got to get some help. Because right. th- this is not who you are. And, right. And I just remember that from those guys. So we so. really I, I would say everybody says this in their initial interview. I want to I want to serve and help and protect. Yeah. And, and we really mean it. Right. You know, and whether I was in patrol when I when I first started on the police department, it was Yas, you versus me, you're criminals. Right. I'm the cops. And I grew up on military bases. I'm, I, you know, very limited uh, time exposure to police officers, military police. You know, they mm-hmm. were, they were my age, you know, 18, 19 <laughs> yeah, years yeah, old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so I went into it and I worked in the projects and I worked in some rough neighborhoods up north. And uh, I mean, you know how Dallas is, it's kind of cut up. You can go right. Preston Hollow. One mile from there, you can be, you know, in the cliff. In dangerous. In the yeah, cliff. you can be in a dangerous area. Yeah, and uh, I spent those first five years in patrol. You know, after three years, I was training rookies. And- As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And it was still us versus them. And then I went to SWAT, and I have a friend named Kevin Jackson, and we are born on the same day. And uh, he's my brother from a different mother. Gotcha. 
and we actually got in an accident during a physical training. Our days would start with physical training, right. and then we'd go repel, train, shoot, do all this kind of stuff all day until we got called out or ran a warrant or something like that. And uh, we ran into each other playing flag football head to head. Well, my face to his head. So I've got a bunch of plates in my head. And we, Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. And it knocked us both smooth out. Your and poor head and eyes have taken a beating. Dude, this face has been crushed. Wow. Broke my nose, broke, crushed my cheekbone. And it hit him on the side of the head. Mm-hmm. And we both got wheeled into Baylor at the same time. And I heard him laying there. And uh, the nurse is talking to him. She says, what's your name? Kevin Jackson. And he's from uh, South Oak Cliff. So he, he we actually broke into his football field high, at his high school to go play. Mm. A bunch of criminal mischief. Climbing over fences to play on a <laughs> new field. Right. And uh, he's laying there in the bed. And they said, Kevin Jackson. I go, what's your birthday? He said, 10 And she turned right around to me. And she goes, what's your name? I said, Rich Emberlin. And she said, what's your birthday? And I said, 10 And she goes, Baby, you got a brain injury. It, 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 that's his birthday. I said, no, he's my brother from a different mother. She goes, are you serious? Right, we got this. No, we got this. So we wish each other happy birthday. We never forget each other's birthday. Oh, that's so good. But no, SWAT was, Kevin what was. Is SWAT? What is it's, it? It stands for Special Weapons and Tactics. Okay. But Kevin's one of our best negotiators on the department. And we're lifelong friends, you know, since I came on the department. And um, he taught me a lot about police work from a different aspect not a us versus them you know mm-hmm. because he grew up in the neighborhood mm-hmm. and he was i would listen to him negotiate every once in a while if i was near the command post and i was an assaulter so we have snipers assaulters which is what i was we're like the last thing that happens if nobody will come out and uh and negotiators and uh oh so there's that's cool so when you see a SWAT team each I, I figure each one has a role but there's there's yeah there's like, it's like a layer yeah our snipers are just oh, they call them counter snipers but yeah. they're overwatch for me okay so I don't get shot by something I can't see got gotcha. you and I'm close by in case some if it's a hostage situation we have to go now we go right and then Kevin will get them all we'll get it the place all locked down we call it and uh, surrounded and Kevin calls these people on the phone and a couple of times I was in the van with him when I wasn't assigned to a, a, a particular job or maybe I was getting a water or something mm-hmm. and I could hear him talking and, and he would say things like, listen, I know what happened earlier. There's nothing we can do about that, but let's talk about what we can do in the future here and mm-hmm. right now. And he could talk anybody out of anything most of the time. And if he lost one and I know he had a guy that he was talking to for a long time once and he ended up killing himself. But right before he killed himself, he said, Kevin, I wish I would have met you under different circumstances. You sound like a cool guy, but I just can't go on anymore. And he's like, no. And it taunts him, but haunts him to this day. But he, he 99.9% came out and I, I started hanging out with him more later. And we actually did a TV show called live PD on Friday nights. So I saw some, I love that show. Yeah, we PD. started it. We were the first two co-hosts. Okay. Yeah. I saw you on that. That's and, really cool. Uh, we spent a lot of time in New York together in the same hotel and walking over to, to rehearse for like a month and a half. And he really explained what his perspective was. He said, these guys, not everybody's a criminal rich, you know, he goes, the guys like De Niro and heat, that guy's a criminal, right? He could do something better, but he robs banks. Right. He said, these people are in crisis. Yeah. And he said, you remember that guy that got shot at that bank that you had arrested at the Seven Eleven like a couple of months before, because his wife said, Christmas is coming and you need to go get some money. Yeah. God never committed an offense until I had to arrest him for robbing a Seven Eleven. He got out. 
and then he tried to rob a bank and he got killed by one of the security guards there. He goes, that guy was not a criminal. He was a person in crisis. Yeah. His wife was coming down on him. He was panicky. Yeah. And, and then I just started looking at people or, you know, offenders in a different way. I, I tried to get, you know, I, 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 I would, I was doing it already, right. but not as deep as I was after I met Kevin, you know, right. I'd meet someone like you yeah. and arrest you. And I'd say, bro, what's going on? Right. You know, cause nobody does what you just did right. normally. Right. So there's gotta be a catalyst. What's the real this. problem yeah. here? What, and, yeah. and why are you still doing it? And yeah. where's your family? If you don't yeah. have any, you know, who can you talk to? And it changed too bad it came later in my career. I was a bad police officer. I arrested my fair share of people. They all, mm. I told you earlier today, not one person in my police car, and they used to sit up front with us because we didn't have cages back in the day, Yeah, and not one ever thought I had done them wrong. Yeah. I don't like go, going to Lou Starrett. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I certainly don't want to stay there. Right. But um, not one ever looked at me like, you mf or you you effed me over. No, right. they usually said, man, I wish this, I wish I wouldn't have done this because I always wanted to be a cop. Right. It's a thin blue line. It, it is. Really is. It is. And that's the neat thing about it. And, and as a as a person that has been arrested, obviously, numerous times, um, that, that the police were that way. And I'm seeing a lot of people in the comments. Yes, hashtag back the blue. Thank you, Paul Richards. Thank, uh, there's, you a, there's a very silent majority of people that love us yeah they're just a vocal minority and like i said they're always the first ones to call us when they need help <laughs> right so that so that was an interesting deal so so swat tell us some stories i mean so okay i'm gonna ask i'm a, I'm a little kid right okay have you ever shot anybody unfortunately yeah i've had yeah. to shoot a couple of people and yeah. killed one who yeah. was actually it was a swat call out and you talk about sit wait and talk on that one we talked to this negotiate our negotiators talked to this guy all night he, it's closed now, but he was the manager of San Francisco Rose on Greenville. Oh, wow. He'd worked his way up from, from a dishwasher and came home one night drunk and with cocaine in his system uh-huh. and got in an argument with his wife. He lived in the M Streets on yeah. Martell. On and, Martell? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, an apartment complex. And uh, got in an argument with his wife and he took a shot at her and she grabbed the two-year-old daughter. And tried to grab the three-year-old son, Leon Jr. was his name, and uh, threw the daughter into the wall. I, I, I pulled up. I was the last person to get there because I was over in Fort Worth, so I was the last guy to show up. And I asked the officers, because everything gets convoluted if you ask somebody else what happened. You know yeah, how it yeah, goes yeah, down yeah, line. Yeah, yeah. I asked the responding officers what happened, and they said, this guy took a shot at his wife. She grabbed a little girl after he threw her into the wall so hard that it broke the drywall. And mm. I have this baby daughter at home, you know, and I, that hit home. I said, okay. Yeah, we're getting down. Yeah, this is not good. And the man was in crisis. Yeah. Now, he did some terrible things. Yeah. He didn't have much of a criminal history, if he had any at all. I don't remember. But we waited and waited and talked and talked and talked. And he wanted to talk to his wife. And what he wanted to do was come outside and shoot himself in front of her. And that happened. We never let him talk to their wives. We record their, we'll record the wife saying, come on out, please. We'll get, and we'll play it over the PA. But we had a lot of options that we should have probably tried that our, the guys in charge at the yeah. time weren't wanting to do. But anyways, I ended up, since I was last there, they said, hey, get up there on point, be the first guy in line. And if we're going, you're leading. And yeah. I said, okay. And I really thought it was going to be resolved until the negotiator, we can't hear them what they're talking about. And uh, they called, and this negotiator said, hey, he's called the command post. Now I can hear that in my ears. Right. And he said, this guy said, if you guys aren't coming in, he's going to finish this off himself in five minutes. Wow. And I went, uh-oh. Here we go. 
here we go. And we put an explosive charge on the door, which was already had already been there. And uh, we did a countdown and blew the door, and he immediately shot the kid in the heart. And we found out that because he the time he the second time he shot him when I was in the room with him, it, that wound didn't bleed, and I never heard a kid screaming. So yeah. he immediately shot his own child, his junior, in the heart, and started giving me some attention. But all I'm hearing is gunfire. Right, right, right. And I'm right. trying to push so my you're way trained, the door. And the your door blows. Kicks in. The door blows, but there's furniture all stacked up, and I'm trying to shove my way in there and find this guy. And you just can't fire and indiscriminately. I know it's off to my right, but mm-hmm. and I finally got the door open. And it sounds like a 30 minute long story, but no, this happened in about seven seconds. I looked into the bedroom because we knew where he was. We had some devices in an apartment complex. We could hear sure, him through the wall. Sure. We knew where he was. And I looked into the bedroom, and the light was on. And this guy appears from walking right to left in socks and a t-shirt. And I'm and he just kind of looks kind of dazed. What we found out later is he was drinking the whole time. Mm-hmm. And a .27 by the time mm-hmm. we got in there. I didn't see the gun in his right hand, which was a forty four. And what he was doing was walking over to where his son had fallen to shoot him again, I guess. Well, that's what he did do. But he walked. He was. I, I looked. I pointed my rifle at him and I went. Who's this guy? It's entirely possible that we didn't know this was an uncle or something, mm-hmm. you know, that we woke up because he just didn't look like he'd been in a gunfight. Right. And he'd taken a couple shots at me already, but I didn't know where he was when he shot him. I do now. But um, he looked at me and then he grinned at me like this sinister grin and kind of smiled and he slammed the door shut and started shooting. And I went, that's my guy. Yeah. So I went up there and I just knew I was going to get shot. And I had my rifle way up here. Cause I don't, never wanted to, I didn't ever really worry about getting killed, but being paralyzed frightened me to death. Ah. Okay. So I brought that rifle up here real high and I pushed that door open and I broke left and he was gone. And I can see some guys breaking a window, our guys as a diversion. And the guy that came in through, it's called triangulating. He came in through the bathroom and he goes, Rich, look down. And I looked down and he was laying on top of that kid shooting him a second time. (gasps) And I had to kind of angle my rifle and fired twice. And I think he was turning around to shoot me. When I hit him the second time, he shot himself in the side of the head with an accidental discharge. Yeah. Wow. So we pulled the kid off or pulled the guy off of him. And he looked like a little bitty soldier down there. Wow. And I just thought, please cry. Yeah. I came to save you. Yeah. And, and he didn't. So th- th- this is good for this show, okay? So we talk about recovery on this show, okay? So now, now, Rich, you've experienced some trauma, obviously. And I've been told to make friends with that trauma because it's not, I can't forget that. Yeah. You know? So this is good. So so how does how does Rich recover from something like that? You know what? I struggled with it, not killing somebody. Just not being able to save somebody. Wow. I've saved a lot of hostages. Maybe that's what keeps you sane. Yeah. Maybe, you could, maybe that's what's working. Well, and, you know, they send you to talk to the psychiatrist. Right. Make sure you're okay and you're not. You don't feel right, right because killing people, I'd never thought I'd be a cop that killed anybody. Yeah. You know, I pulled my gun all the time. These guys say, I never pulled my gun. They're liars. Yeah. <laughs> or they're right. working with Barney Fife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I talk to their psychiatrist i talked to my own psychiatrist and i talked to a guy that writes books about police officers that shoot people because he was a former la cop mm-hmm. who shot and killed a guy legit deal but he didn't like it and now he's at the university of missouri and he's a psychologist and he writes books about it and he interviewed me and i said what was your deal and he said oh somebody attacked my trainer when i was on training with a knife and i shot and killed him i said see i'm jealous of that yeah. i said it's that's heroic and it's legit, and I've lost this kid. And he goes, Rich, it bothers me. 
as much as yours bothers you. He goes, I said, does it ever get better? He goes, it's always going to be there. You're always going to see that baby. And that helped a little bit. That's huge right there, because there we go. What's even bigger, though, after all these psychiatrists and all, you know, talking to that guy, his name's Dave Klinger, great guy. And one day, I couldn't, one night I couldn't sleep. And Leanne goes, what's wrong? She goes, are you thinking about that again? I go, yeah, it's kind of intrusive. She goes, Rich, that lady, his wife, will never, ever have to worry about being beaten up by him again. Hmm. And I went, you know what? You're right. Right. I set her free. Yeah. Because he did, you know, beat her up. Right. I'm sure. Right. He did have a lot of assaults, but no, no other kind of crimes. But so the solution to these feelings, it sounds like is to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. and I don't it. mind talking about no, it. We I talk get about asked that about it a lot, show. you know, by other departments. Because every hostage situation is a gun. Right, 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 right. No. And we set, people will come over to my department and say, set up your situation because we've heard about it. And I'll take a baby mannequin, lay it on the floor, put a human big mannequin on top of it, and I'll have one guy go in there and break left and see where, what they do. And they, every one, we taught, what, 30, 30 people in one class from different departments around the state. Every one of them came in and went, yeah. oh, that would never happen. Right. Well, it happened to me, bro. Right. right. <laughs> I've got pictures and diagrams if you don't believe me. Right. So here's the great thing about it is. And we so talk, I can teach. Yeah, there you go. So there's a thing in recovery is that someone who's experienced that. So if someone came to me, a police officer came to me, okay, and he says, listen, I'm really struggling because I shot somebody and I'm really having a hard time doing this. Guess what I'm going to do? Because you have been transparent about it. You shared your experience, strength, and hope. I'm going to have him call Rich. Absolutely. Because you and him getting together talking because y'all can relate. Yeah. Y'all are in solution. And it's one alcoholic. You're not an alcoholic. But it's what You see what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, it's one. Sure. It's one person working with another, and what happens is, is they all become stronger, and y'all get to go help others. I think it's you know, and it, it, I do have PTSD. I call it, I still call it PTSD, sure. but and I went to the Center for Brain Health, and it did help. Mm-hmm. But I think young officers are shocked when they talk to me because they'll when I was in intelligence, they they bring up all the the stuff you see in First Forty Eight. These people that right. are you know killers and rapers and burglars, and they put them in these uh, rooms while the detectives talk to them and the patrol officers that brought them there are just sitting outside Yeah, and I'll go talk to them. And I was talking to a couple of them and one of them I knew had been a particularly hideous shooting, you know? And I said, am I allowed to talk to you? I said, cause I knew somebody said that he was out there and that it was really bothering him. And I told him my story and he was shocked at this big tough SWAT guy, <laughs> you know, criminal intelligence guy. Then <laughs> criminal Intel is the best job I ever had. It was really right. cool. Um, He's looking at me like, I can't believe this guy is like telling me this story. And he broke down. And he started telling me his story. And then I'm see how this works. Yeah. This is what we talk about yeah. in recovery. I mean, that, that's exactly how it works. Yeah. That's good stuff right there. You're helping a lot of people right now. You know, as, as I hope far, so. Well, being transparent helps a lot of people. You know, They're and, shocked. people are shocked by it, I think, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm not supposed to say I was so scared to put a rock in my pocket, but I need to put a rock in that guy's pocket. There we go. That's what. And then we you call know? that forgiveness. Yeah, that's that's incredible. But we did we, that was fun stuff we did in SWAT. You know, we did a lot of that. So now you're working on a book. Yeah. Well, I got to back up when when you started back about the up. Cop. Okay. No, uh, when you were talking about being a, a caddy. Oh. When I went to criminal intelligence, we work with Secret Service, State Department, um, wow. all these marshals. If it's federal judges, and they all want to come to the Bush Library, yeah. and George Bush forty three is in town, and believe it or not, he and Bill Clinton are real tight friends. Yeah. So he yeah. comes to town a lot, and. Um, we had a deal where the Dalai Lama was coming. Ah. And my supervisor, who is 
older than you and me, he's probably 60, is the only guy on the planet that has never seen Caddyshack. <laughs> and we're getting our assignments, and it's as simple as this. We have George Bush, we have Bill Clinton, and the Dalai Lama. Uh-huh. And he said, Keating, you got uh, Bill Clinton. Huffman, you got uh, uh, George Bush. Emberlin, you got the Dalai Lama. I go, you know, it's interesting. I caddied for him once. <laughs> and he went, what? I go... <laughs> He's not much of a tipper, you know, because when we were done, I said, hey, how about a little something for the effort? And he said, Rich, on your deathbed, you'll receive total consciousness. So I got that going for me. And my buddies are like, Dude, he's going to find out you're making fun of him. So I got took care of his 14th holiness. And he was a it was a great. So you were he you, was you cool. protected the Dalai Lama, the Dalai Lama himself. Oh, yeah, that is so cool. Took a picture with him the next day because he asked us to come back and take a picture. I ran over to Macy's and I got a burgundy tie and a gold pocket square to match his robe oh that's neat and when i walked in what kind of guy was he this i'll tell you exactly how it was we're standing out in line it's me and all the agents because he wanted to take pictures with everybody right. he had an official photographer in there and uh he said the his one of his staffers came out tibetan guy and he spoke perfect english he goes oh i know what you're doing i go yeah i ran out to the store last night and even the salesman said because i googled his robe yeah and his robe is dyed by onion skins what? in Tibet. And when I went to the that was sales... my second guess. Yeah. <laughs> when I went to the sales guy at Macy's, I, he goes, what do you need these two colors for? I go, long story short, I work in criminal intelligence and I'm taking a picture of the Dalai Lama tomorrow and I want to match his robe. And he goes, yeah, you right. know, is he know, this is what he said, you know, the, that robe is dyed with onion peels from Tibet. I go, how in the hell do you know that? <laughs> he really did. He said, will you take, will you bring me the picture? I go, I absolutely will. Cause oh, I live cool. over there by the mall and I brought it to him. But that's... when I, when I was out in the hallway, he said, this staffer came out and said, he's going to love that. Get ready for a headbutt. That's his thing. So Dalai Lama headbutted you? He headbutted me. On your metal plate? No, no, not hard. <laughs> he just shook. He goes, oh, and he shook my hand. Oh, that's head so me, And then they awesome. took the picture. My face is so red because I didn't think he'd. He's a funny guy. So do you have a T-shirt that says, I've been head-butted by the Dalai Lama? No, I just caddy for him. Okay. <laughs> you caddy for the Dalai Lama. <laughs> Good stuff. Rich Emberlin uh, in studio on M2 The Rock and just talking about so many great things, great stories. Uh, you got a lot of great stories. And um, <laughs> it sounds like you're putting them all together yes. with Kim Harmon Gatlin. Yep. You want to just tease that a little bit? Yeah. Uh, I started writing a book because when you're in the academy, first day of the academy, these instructors all go, you guys should write down everything that happens to you because you're going to want to write a book. Oh, yeah. And I was the guy who paid attention and yeah. I wrote stuff down. That's they told me when I had my first drink, and I just never did write anything down. <laughs> that you remember. <laughs> You'll find it one day. Right. But I, I kept all my notes. I kept police reports and stuff like that. And more from just, a, not that I thought I was ever going to write a book, but I just had a really different career. And I think it's because of relationships. I was real introverted until I got to the department, and you've got to be extroverted. You have to talk to people. You have to talk to criminals, people's, people in crisis cops that are in crisis right you know fellow officers and, and what just, happened rich because you're far from introvert uh, i was put on that dallas shot dallas swat show and they the first day first it, we ran for three seasons and they picked out of 50 of us they picked eight of us to profile they came up to me and they said would you be on our show and nobody wanted to do it mm -hmm. and it's the first 48 guys and i said oh i don't i don't want to wear a mic and they go, please, your chief said you'd be a funny one. I go, no, it's not funny. I said, I just broke up with my girlfriend. I'm trying to get custody of my child. And I just shot a guy a couple months ago, and I'm having to deal with that. And 
they did the Seinfeld thing. He goes, that's an episode, dude. <laughs> and I'd shot this guy with less lethal munitions. Uh-huh. I didn't kill him. Right. But they had videotaped it because they'd been there for a couple months. Gotcha. And that was the first episode. Me painting my daughter's nails or teaching her how to paint her nails, getting called out. And then they had the video of me shooting this dude. And from then on, the next day, People, I couldn't go anywhere. You know, I'd go to down to the Blue Goose. Yeah, yeah. People were like, can I take a picture with you? And yeah, then all yeah. of a sudden, these other guys are all volunteering to put on a mic. And you have to have thick skin. I showed up at work the next day. It used to air on Thursday nights, and I did not want to go to work the next Friday. And I walked in, and there was a picture of me on the wall, and it was a beautiful drawing. And I had a holster with a blow dryer in the holster. <laughs> And I worked out for a little while. I went to the restroom, had to sit down in the stall, looked up, and there was a thing on the, somebody taped up there. The hottie, they, they, the girl when I went to go make up with her that I'd broken up with right. was a hair salon girl right. over in Fort Worth. And they wanted to see me ask her out on a date. So they mic'd me up and I went in there and I t- asked the girl at the front desk, I said, is Janine here? And she goes, yeah, she's waiting on you over there. I said, thank you. And I walked away. <laughs> what I didn't know is they left the mic on her and she said, that's Rich. He's our hottie from Swatty. Oh, and another t-shirt. Oh, I don't need a t-shirt. <laughs> 12 years. I get, I still get called hottie from Swatty, but I went go. in that restroom, sat down on the toilet and it said, the hottie from Swatty uses this potty. Oh and, I went, and if you tear something down, There'll be two up the next day. I went and took a shower. They had a laminated one. The hottie from Swati washes his loins in this shower. Oh, my God. And it was probably the traffic cops because we share an office, right. and they're just bagging on me. You're, 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 you're being put on blast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but if you tear anything down, it's up twofold, threefold. They're going to get you. Yeah. They're going to get so you. So that's where I learned how to be extroverted and defend myself and get pretty some pretty thick skin. Yeah. But it's all in good faith. You know. In the department, it was a little bit of a beating, but people saw us, you know, at the Goose or wherever we were downtown eating, and they'd come up and go, that show's great, and they got to see it, that we weren't jack-booted thugs itching right. to kill somebody. Right. They saw how much we put into trying to save suspects. Right, right. And Real people. And it just really kind of changed. They had two spinoffs, Detroit SWAT and Kansas City SWAT. That's great stuff. Great yeah. stuff. So now today, we're golly, this hour's flying by. We got seven minutes left. So, uh, what what are you doing today? And, and and today, I mean, obviously, you're you're you you and Leanne Locken just got married. And y'all yep. were dating for how, how'd that happen? How'd you meet her? <laughs> I was working off duty, being an introvert, yeah. eleven years ago at uh, the Ritz Carlton. Okay, doing security with a buddy of mine and these. Thursday night, apparently, was ladies' night in Dallas. We have crossed paths. I guarantee you, you saw me going yeah. in there faking out. <laughs> <laughs> and these girls would come in, and we'd be out in the outer lobby, and they'd walk into the rattlesnake, and they'd look at the cops and go, $12,000, your cops. And I'd tell my partner, they'll be back. Yeah. And they'd have a few drinks, talk to a bunch of guys like you, <laughs> come yeah. out and go, what are you officers doing? Can we take a picture? Right. And that's why I met a lot of people. We met. I met Amy there that you right. know. and. right. Amy came in with a girl one time after I'd known Amy a long time, and I said, who was that? She said, that's Leanne Lockett. I said, oh, man, you got to give me an endorsement or something. Right. And she pretty much introduced us, and the rest is history. Well, so we still she wants to write a book called The Cop and the Carney because she was raised in the carnival. That's right. That's yeah. right. I know that story. So it's uh, Leanne Lockett. It, it, it's so great that uh, to, 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 to be with y'all, hang out with y'all and, and everything. So let me ask you this, a question. So when, when, when Rich— 
today, Rich, when, when you suffer from anxiety today, you wake up in the morning and there's that fear, there's mm-hmm. that impending doom. Like, how am I going to get through the day? The things that we all deal with. Okay. How does Rich handle it? How, how do you handle anxiety today? You know, I think pushing through fear when you're scared to death and you push through it, that's, mm-hmm. that's like courage, yeah. you know, and I'll just fight through it. And what do you mean by that? What's that look like? Like, uh, going after that guy, I was scared to death, but right. I had to push through it. Right. And that's the, the measure of courage, you know, mm-hmm. pushing through when, when you're scared out of your wits, mm-hmm. you know? So I just do that. I'll, we were talking about our drug of choice. Mm-hmm. Mine is working on my arbor and hammer nails in the backyard. And right. I know it's a bad addiction because my wife will come out and say, are you working on that arbor again? The same way somebody else's wife will say, are you drinking again? Right, right, right. And that's, that's my refuge. That's my green zone. That's, that's my, that's my place. I love to be, but other things I'm doing, I have a company called 540 solutions, an executive protection pro company. And I work mm-hmm. for a company called safari land teaching SWAT tactics okay. And some other DOD stuff and just going around the country trying to give people a little bit of 30 years of wisdom, you know, so they don't make the sign. I never talk about the cool things we did. I talk about the things we messed up, you right, know, right. and where we lost people, not officers that God. I mean, we've lost a lot of officers, none in SWAT, knock on wood, but we lost those five in one night, 12 shot during yeah. that march and, and seven, seven. And, uh, that was, a my first year. I hired on an 87 and my first year on the streets was 88 and we had the drug war start and we had five officers murdered throughout the course of the year, which we're only supposed to lose one every 14 months, according to the Academy. Yeah. And then it tapered off. And then the last year of my career, last full year of my career, we lose five in 20 minutes. Wow. That's, That's bracketed by that. And in between there's 81 cops that, I didn't know all of them personally. I knew all of them like high school, like, oh, yeah, I've seen him around or her, but um, lost a lot of people in 30 years. And I came out without, besides the plates and the rods on my back and bad knees, I came out unscathed. Well, I'm scathed, but I want people to learn from things. Those officers did nothing wrong, but we've messed up a few things in SWAT. And I always tell my students, it's a five-day class. I'm not going to tell you any of the cool stuff here in class. I'm going to tell you some things we did that you guys can learn from mm. where we've actually shot ourselves in the foot. And uh, I'll tell you cool stories at the bar or at pizza or whatever you want to do back at the hotel because we yeah. all the students all stay at the same host mm. hotel. But I'm not going to do it up here and yeah. tell stories about how cool the job is. It's a great job. Right. I just had a lucky career. I talked to people. And that's how I got to SWAT because I helped out, or that's how I ended up going from patrol to narcotics. I helped out a narcotics sergeant one night at shift change, which nobody wants to do. Mm-hmm. And I thought he was a neat guy, and he remembered me, and he called me 18 months later and said, I want you to come to narcotics. And I went to narcotics, grew my hair long, grew my beard, mm-hmm. got beat up by some officers I knew one night. <laughs> and uh, No, really, I'm a cop. <laughs> no, they, they were friends of mine. They didn't recognize me. <laughs> and uh, I saw the SWAT guys all the time, and... I was cool with them, and they asked me to come over to SWAT. I just had a lucky, lucky career, and my sergeant in SWAT ended up being the chief of police. Wow. So when I got hurt again that Con- in SWAT. Conkle? No, uh, Chief Brown. Okay, yeah. And uh, he said, hey, man, I know you're hurt. I want you to come to criminal intelligence, which is like the best job in the department. Why is that? Well, it's just a really elite group. I mean, there's there's Joint Terrorism Task Force, FBI. They're, they've got five guys that work with them. There's five working with the marshals. And mine was working with dignitary protection. So I did protests and guarded 
every president, even Carter, not while he was in office, right. and Gerald Ford, you know, right, right, right. all the way up through Trump That's and so cool. the Dalai Lama himself, That's as you right. know. <laughs> and then congressmen, senators, judges, um, you name it, you know, anybody that requires protection detail. That's good and, stuff. Yeah, got Rich, to meet a lot of neat people. Rich Emberlin, uh, live here on M2 The Rock. And um, Rich, we thank you so Wow, it's one hour has gone Are by. Are you kidding me? And um, will you please come back on? Absolutely. We would love to Thanks have you Thanks for back. having me. Well, this is such good stuff because like we talked about on the phone, what you shared today, and I want everybody to be, be cognizant of, of what you just heard today, the difference between Rich, okay, and an alcoholic and a drug addict is nothing. The problems are the same, right. okay? His solutions to his problems are different than mine, okay? Sure. When I was in my disease and inactive addiction, I had radical solutions for very simple problems, right. okay? Where Rich, you're talking about it. You reach out for help and you talk about sure. it. And, and I want y'all to hear that. And it helps me. Yeah. And, and so we appreciate, and you also just reconfirmed that when you apprehended people because you were providing care and custody. Oh, yeah. Okay. And control. You, and control. <laughs> and providing that, what really made me feel comfortable about what you said, and you didn't say this, but you made me feel this way, that we aren't bad people. Okay, we're sick people that need to get well. Right. We're not bad people trying to get good. Right. You know, that's right. kind of the common denominator. And when we really get to the root of the problem, we're spiritually bankrupt. Right. We'll find it. Yeah. But it's the start. Sure. It's the start. And, you know, y'all are seed planters, you know, and you got a lot of people right now hashtagging. Uh, thank you uh, for this show. Oh, man. Really good turnout. My pleasure. And um, we appreciate you and give Leanne our love. I will. And um, and everybody and, and just. I tell you what, uh, real quick, a special show, and now we're going to have an encore show tomorrow night. Uh, we're going to replay the show. You ready? Brian Cuban. So oh, okay. Yeah, Brian's, yeah. Been, Brian's been on the show a couple of times. Uh, we're going to replay that show tomorrow night. Uh, we will be, if, you wanna, if you're want to, if you in uh, Dallas, you want to come uh, see me, see Rachel Stacy at the Four Seasons Resort, the Outlaws Tap Room. Uh, we'll be there tomorrow. I'm going to be the Joker. <laughs> the Joker. <laughs> Imagine and, that. That's right. And Rachel's going to be uh, uh, Har- uh, Harley Quinn. Harley <laughs> Quinn tomorrow night. So uh, uh, check, check it out. So, uh, man, every, for everyone out there, just remember this. I got three words. And I got eight letters. It's got one meaning. It is, I love you. Rich, thanks so much. Appreciate you so much. Appreciate you. For everyone here at Into the Rock, make it. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. 
Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.